I'm, I'm presently, uh, I'm, I'm watching, re-watching uh, a series called Band of Brothers. Did anybody watch that one? It's a little old now, but it's really pretty moving. It's been um, really great to go through that. And uh, a lot of people, uh, me included, kind of continue to be a bit fascinated by some of the things that happened in World War II and uh, kind of a lot of the stories that come with that. And the question we can ask ourselves is, man, what do, what do we learn what do we learn from looking at some of the, the horrors of war and the darkness of a whole society that was led down this path and to do that? Like why, why would we watch this kind of stuff? Why would we be still fascinated by it? And I think that there are, we can ask ourselves, what are some of the lessons that we're supposed to take away from World War II and just kind of everything that's connected with that? And I think that as we as we look at it, we're supposed to remember. We're supposed to remember that we're not supposed to point a finger at other people to say, oh man, they're so bad, um, but actually to be able to recognize that, that there is a, uh, a human condition that we could be taken down a path uh, to, to note the darkness of the human heart. That, that, um, that's one of the lessons even in Germany today that they still t- talk about. It's that, hey, listen, j- we are an advanced society, but we were not immune to that. And I think one of the other things that we take away from it is some of the, the brightness of the heroism of some of those stories. Those are the things that really uh, inspire us. We can say there is this bright heroism that happened in the midst of terrible things going on. Well, I don't think it's too much to make a comparison then for us between World War II and some of what we are reading in the book of Judges. If you have been reading with us, if, you were, uh, we, if you're reading with us through this Immerse series where we just read through the book of Judges, and there is some amazingly dark stuff that takes place there, and frankly, some things that are really hard to read or to hear. Uh, we are in, a, in this series, for the, last, uh, for the next couple of months, we're going through uh, something we're calling Immerse Kingdoms, where we're reading through Scripture together from the, the book of Joshua all the way to Second Kings. You can join with us. You can grab your own Bible and read with us. This next week, we're going to be heading into First Samuel, so you can read the first about 20 chapters of First Samuel, I think. And we are trying to approach this stuff and see it as adults in a little bit different light. I've heard from some other people who said, I don't remember that detail in the children's Bible that I read. Uh, so uh, it's, we're trying to come at this, uh, even for things that are hard to read, but to, we're saying Scripture is there for us to teach us. What does it mean for us to explore these parts uh, that some of my friends have called the white pages in your Bible, right? If you are an underliner in your Bible, this is the, these are the areas that don't have a lot of things underlined or highlighted, the white pages in your Bible. Uh, so I, I, read, I read some things about this book of Judges that we've got to. So we, this last week, if you were reading along with us, if you tried, I don't know if you were able to keep up, but we read Judges and Ruth. Uh, there was a humorous but pretty true remark that was on an Amazon review of a commentary on the book of Judges. The church has a problem with Judges. It's so earthy, puzzling, primitive, and violent, so much so that the church can barely stomach it. Did you feel like that? It falls under the category of embarrassing scripture. And maybe you feel like that as well. There was another writer who went even farther. He says this, Judges is the worst book in the Old Testament. I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. Um, this is what this writer says. It's saturated with toxic events, genocide, holy war, slavery, and the oppression of women. This tempts some to think the Bible condones this book of horrors. 
Many have noticed that Judges isn't merely bad, it gets worse and worse throughout. Did you notice that? Judges isn't merely, uh, it gets worse and worse throughout. And by the time you get to the end, even Sodom and Gomorrah's famed sins of Genesis 19, which resulted in God's fire and brimstone, pale in comparison to Israel's sin in Judges 19, which is punctuated by God's noticeable absence. If this is your first time at our church, welcome. Glad to have you here. (laughs) Glad to have you join us as we are exploring (laughs) the book of Judges. Wyatt and Emily are like, we're done. Uh, so I, I, if you were reading along with us, you felt that this last week, you know, I'm, we're, we're not just trying to read the lovely bits, and I'm going to get to that in a little bit, but I want to tell you, for all the things that we saw, and, and even those reviewers on the book, uh, I think I personally, Kurt, am starting to appreciate in some ways the book of Judges in a way that I haven't before. Uh, I, I don't love it in the same way that I love the book of Philippians, but I do like it. I, I feel like I'm starting to appreciate it in the way that I understand or appreciate stories about World War II. And that's helpful for me. Yes, it is dark. But rather than pointing our fingers, we're going we're gonna to take note of the tragedy that's going on. The condition, and we, we need, we're called to also investigate and think about the condition and darkness of our own hearts. Uh, the, we look and as we look in the book of, of Judges, we see the, the heroism that takes place there. That these, there are these bright spots that stand out in the book. So it's kind of like World War II. It's a story of there's great horrors that take place, but there's also this brightness of heroism that takes place. There's a, there's a hope, horror and hope together. But in order to get at the gems of the book, we got to dig a little bit. I had... Uh, I, I had somebody tell me once, they said, you know, it's interesting, when you go to a place like uh, Colorado or you go to Hawaii, uh, it's pretty easy to have like a beautiful vista. You don't, you don't have to work very hard. You just kind of walk out your door, aspen trees, or you go to the beach, you have some great place, you go out on your lanai and you just think, this is amazing and beautiful. And it's really, that beauty is really accessible and easy to get to. Uh, but there are other places where the scenery is maybe not quite so easy to find the beauty immediately, and you have to work a little bit. Maybe some places where you have to hike a little while or expend some effort to be able to get to a place where you can see, oh, you know what? This place is actually really amazingly beautiful. And that is the book of Judges. It's a place, it's, to change my metaphor a little bit, it's, a, it's kind of like there's a mine where you have to dig to get at some of the jewels that are there. But there are diamonds. It's not a place. Here we go. That's better. I cut out for a second. It's not like there are diamonds just on the path, um, but it's a place where you have to dig a little bit. But I think that the effort that we expend in doing that will be rewarding. So there's good news for us in the book of Judges. And what I want to say is that the, the good news is, is that it is a book that is about God delivering people from the mess that they made. And that is good news. God delivers people from the mess that they make. And that is something that applies to my life today. So we're going to talk about this. Is that I, I don't know if you have felt that, that maybe you are in a mess. You, you feel like there's a mess in the world that feels a bit overwhelming. Maybe there's a mess that's a bit closer. It's in your own personal life. And it gets worse when we feel like that mess is something that we helped to create. 
It's a problem that we've kind of made. And we can say, what can we do? But God is a deliverer who delivers us even from the messes that we make. That is great news. So we're going to talk about the mess today. We're going to talk about this. And what we're going to see in Book of Judges is that it gives us some of the indicators that there is a mess. It tells us a little bit about some of the reasons why there is. There's a source of the mess. And then he's going to the solution as well. So the indicators of the mess. Uh, we see people who are in anguish in the book of Judges. Um, there are... Uh, I think people who are in a mess oftentimes feel anguished about that. They feel, um, they feel emotionally tied up, that, they are, uh, that their heart is moved by this, and they go, what am I to do? And the book, uh, we have to remember, this book was written by somebody who was trying to guide people. It's not just a straight history of what happened. They're trying to say, there are some lessons for us to learn. And the book begins and ends with people who are weeping. It begins and ends with people who are crying out to God. So in uh, book, uh, Judges chapter 2, there's an angel who comes and says, you're not doing it right, guys. You have a covenant with God. You're supposed to be sticking with God. And verse, so chapter 2, verse 3, since you have done this, this is an angel speaking to the people, I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. When the angel of the Lord finished speaking, the Israelites wept loudly, and so they called that place weeping, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord. It was a place where they, they realized in some way that God, God was telling them, you're not doing it the way that I wanted you to. This isn't the way that things are supposed to be. And the people realize, realizing that, they, in their anguish, began weeping. In fact, they ended up calling that place by a new name. They called it weeping. And they, the people started to worship God. At the, the very same thing happens at the very end of the book. At the end of the book, there's also the people come to God and are weeping over the situation. And that particular circumstance is more about the, the brokenness of their country, that, they're, that they are in the middle of a civil war, and that things are just not the way they're supposed to be. And the people begin weeping again. And this, is a, uh, this happens a lot in Scripture. There are places where there are these bookends, and that is supposed to help us to understand how to read a story in scripture or even a whole book. That, so these big parentheses of the weeping of the people set the framework for the whole book of Judges. So the, the, the author of the book of Judges is already telling us this is something for us to cry about. And that's helpful as we approach this. That everything in the text is indicating to us that this is not the way it's supposed to be. And this is an indication of the mess that is there. People are weeping. And we see the mess not only in the, in the crying, and the people do cry out to the Lord. I'll get to that a bit more in just a moment. Uh, people, that is a re recurring uh, uh, theme throughout the book, is that people cry out to God, and he raises up a judge to help them. Uh, but we also see it in their relationships. So not only, uh, there's, there's, if we had a little more time, we could talk about some of the generational relationships that are happening there between uh, 
whether, it, whether there were things that were not passed on to the next generation, or if the next generation just wasn't really willing to hear it, what was said, there were things that were not passed on to them. But we specifically see that in the way the relationships happen between males and females in the book. In the book of, of Judges, we see this, and this, and I'm going to say something, this might shock you if you did read it this last week. I think that the book of Judges teaches us that God values women. And I say that, it might shock you, because there are things that happen to women in the book that are terrible, uh, but there are women, there's a woman judge, Deborah, and there are also, the whole book approaches this as an element of saying the way that these relationships are happening is not the way it's supposed to be. It starts off with a good relationship in the beginning, uh, but then they break down. And as relationships break down, we start to see that that is also an indicator of the larger way that things are breaking down in all of society. One writer says this, he says, the book of Judges becomes nonsensical if the author affirms the heinous treatment of women throughout. Notice that the worse that the treatment of women becomes, the more men do what is right in their own eyes and, less, and the less that God seems to be present. In fact, the whole end of the book, you start to say, where is God in this whole picture? God seems to be pulling back. And you know, we see that in other places. You know, Samson is a terrible, he's not a very smart guy, but he's also, um, he treats women like objects. There are other places where that happens. But I think that the, the writer of Judges is writing to us in a way that we are supposed to also be shocked to say, this, is, this isn't the way it's supposed to look. This all comes together, and we notice it so much more in the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, if you read that with it, may have surprised you. The very first verse of the book of Ruth says, this takes place during the period of the judges. So the whole book of Ruth is basically an, an anecdote or a story of something that happens that could have been included in the book of Judges somewhere. But it's this addendum at the end that we have, this whole separate story about this woman, Ruth. She was a, from Moab. She was from a different country. But she, her mother-in-law was from Israel. And her husband, her husband died. And she decides to end up staying with her mother-in-law. It's an, it's an image of the faithfulness of an average person. This woman who decides to stay and, and takes this simple act of saying, I'm not going to stay in my own country. I'll stay with you, Naomi, her mother-in-law. I'm going to be with you. And she goes back with her mother-in-law back to Israel. They had been living in another country. And so they go with, she goes with her. A simple act of love between a daughter-in-law and her mother-in-law. And they, they, this is, I, I see it stands out, this, the, the glory of God in the redemptive relationships. We see this is how relationships are supposed to work in the book of Ruth. And it stands out. This, this is the other stuff that was there. That's not the way it's supposed to go. And what's the other story that's in there? They end up meeting this guy named Boaz, who is a good guy. And he has, he has some land, he, is a, he has some power, and he uses his power actually to protect people on the margins. 
He says, he, he tells the people who are his, his employees, he says, I want you to look out for these ladies. That there was a way that people who are, more, who are poor could come and, and collect grain. And not only does he have them, allow them to collect grain, he tells them to start leaving more grain out there for them. And in fact, he ends up giving her scoops of food to try to take care of them. It's, it's a person who not only just cares for somebody else, but we're seeing a positive view of male-female relationships of just kind of people in power, people who are out of power. And we, we see it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful book, and it all takes place during the time of the judges. And the author is, a, is helping us to see this is the way it's supposed to look. This is the way it is supposed to be. There's, uh, that the people are supposed to te- treat each other well. And the interesting part is, you know, these people didn't know that they were going to be important, they were just actually doing life in a good, godly way, but it does have generational implications, that it ends up that Boaz and Ruth end up being the ancestors, eventually, of King David, and King David ends up being an ancestor of Jesus himself, that these people are a part of, of David and Christ's lineage, and we see in their simple acts that they're people who don't just do what was right in their own eyes, but they do what is right. And it has long implications for things in the future. I, I think that we need to ask ourselves, what kind of do we have that there's a mess in the world? A mess in our, uh, in our own personal lives as well. And what are we supposed to do if you feel like there's a mess? A lot of us, a lot of times what we do is we get mad. We just get angry, right? And maybe we write about it online. And that (laughs) took care of it. Bam! Took care of that. Signed it up. Maybe even tell somebody else online how wrong they are. Set them straight, right? Did it. Took care of it. Thank you guys for setting the world straight. But I think we need to ask ourselves the question, how, is it, how are these things supposed to get taken care of? In some sense, I want to say, you know, we're really powerless. And, and the people in the book of Judges are powerless as well. There are, there are judges who rise up. But you know what? Even the people who get put in power, they don't have all the power themselves. And they have a messy story themselves. And sometimes they mess it up in their own special way. So we can't, even if you ended up becoming uh, our congressperson or a president of the U.S., you're not going to be able to fix all of the mess. And, and I think that we see that in the book of Judges, that there, is a, it, there are indications of the mess, and it's not going to just get fixed by people. But there is something that we can do in the midst of that mess. There is a certain faithfulness that we are called to do. And, and I, I, I know the youth are here this week. I think we can ask the question for the youth and for all of us adults, what are some simple ways, like the book of Ruth, that we can be living out faithful lives in simple ways to care for people on the margins, to care specifically to take some care between the way that we, uh, that we speak to one another, specifically, hey, boys, how are you talking about and, and, and treating women? I think it's going to be important for us to think about how women are treated. Uh, everyone is treated, um, but specifically what happens in this uh, interactions between, between sexes and what happens, uh, how we treat one another. Well, that is, there is an indication. Things are not working. You laughed when I said it. Are there indicators of the mess? I seem to think 
that you think that there's a mess around you a bit. Well, what is the source of that mess? What is the source of the mess? Uh, we see, boy, in, throughout the book of Judges, there are plenty of flawed leaders. Like I mentioned, there are people who rise up and they, they don't fix it. They've got their own issues. Uh, the, the leaders who seem to do the best are the ones where they've mentioned them the least. You know, they just have like a couple sentences, raised up a, there was a judge, and then they left, right? They, we don't hear anything. Anyone who gets a little more press ends up looking more like a mixed bag. And that's probably kind of true about our lives as well, right? Anybody who gets like a little bit of you, hopefully that is good news. They only get like a little bit and they go, oh, yeah, that's a really terrific person. But if they got the whole story, you'd start to go, yeah, this person, hey, you know, they were helpful, but they've got their own flaws. And we are flawed people. And the source of the mess is, it is the flawed leaders, but it's also these flawed people who are, doing what's right in their own eyes is what it says. Uh, and the, the writer who's approaching this, like I said, is trying to say we need to read this with, a, with prophetic eyes, with eyes of somebody seeing it from God's perspective. And this is not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, the, the, the message that we get is that the people of God, they end up kind of self-destructing when they try to do things not following God's way, or when they, they try to get all their values from their pagan neighbors instead. They end up self-destructing. So the, the greatest enemy, there are plenty of enemies in this. It talks about how there, the, the Philistines came. It was really interesting. I, I, got, I went down a whole rabbit hole in my studies about how it seems like the Philistines actually ended up coming to that area at some point during this period of the judges. That's why you start hearing about them. Um, but that's a whole separate thing. Uh, but they fight against Philistines. They fight against other people. There are enemies that come from the outside. And sometimes the judges are there to help organize the people a little bit to fight these common enemies. But the real enemy that keeps coming up over and over again is Israel itself. That they're the ones who end up having the, their issues are boiling up from within. And the... the the statement that really rocks is toward the, uh, toward the end. Uh, this is uh, chapter 21, verse 25. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That everyone goes, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do my thing. I'm gonna do it my way. We'll see how that works out. What was right in their own eyes. And they end up, that is the way that they start to self-destruct. They're just taking their values from their culture around them. I like our culture. I love uh, a lot of things, but we also have to be able to say, what is, how can we live in God's way as well in the midst of our life here? And the, the people could have said, hey, God, God was, I don't know. I don't know if they're rejecting God because it was a nuisance or maybe just because they got distracted. But in the end, what ends up happening is that, is that in rejecting God, their life starts to end up falling apart. And, and the book of Judges asks us, asks us to judge for ourselves. These people who are kind of trying to live in their own way and their own, making their decisions for themselves, do you think at the end that they are better off without living in God's way? And I think that the answer is clearly no. I, I kind of appreciate that. You know, a lot of times when I'm making decisions, I'm kind of just in my own little life and not able to see my life from a longer-term perspective. And that's what we are invited to do here. So they're, they are not better off without having God call the shots. Um, it shows that they are worse off at the end. And so the, the book of Judges, I think, is inviting us to say, hey, what, 
the source of their issue isn't, it's not a problem from outside, it's from inside. And that's helpful for us, too, today, to say, hey, you know, if, I know, I, know, I like you guys, but even if, even if we said, hey, let's just, let's just create a wall around, and we won't, we won't interact with anybody who, uh, anybody on the outside somewhere else, but there's still going to be problems, we still have issues, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't create, even, say, in an Amish community, where people are living together in faith and relying on each other, they still have issues, they still have fights, the problems still can boil up within. There's no way that we can protect ourselves from those things, because uh, the, the problem, we can never run away from our problem, because the problem is us. You can never win away from the problem because the problem is us. It's not external. So the problem, when we think about the issues in our world, the things that we are facing, we can't think that it's all external. The problem isn't who got elected. The problem is not uh, who is on the Supreme Court. The problem is not going to be uh, whatever professor, if there's like an atheist professor teaching people in school. It's not those things. It's it, the greatest enemy that we have to face is ourselves. It's, it's our own issues inside of us. And it, I think that what we are invited to do is to look in a mirror and say, well, you know, the issue is right here. And we are invited to ask God into our own mess. So that brings us to the solution to the mess. Uh, the solution to the mess is... God, you know, it's, some of the people try some, there's some religiosity that people try to do. Um, there's a humorous story of one of the Levites who ends up, uh, uh, there's a guy who's like, I'm a Levite, which is a, kind of the tribe of people who do religious things. And he goes, oh, I'm looking for a job. And he ends up, this is near the end of the book of Judges, and he wanders along and there's a guy who's like, hey, I made an idol and I would love to have you come be my religious guy here. And the guy goes, I'm looking for a job? Sure, I'll do that. And the whole thing is a mess. He ends up getting taken off to a, a better idol gig somewhere else by another group of people. They're like, you should lead us in idol worship for more people. And he's like, yeah, sure. So um, uh, the religiosity part is not the path out of this mess. That's not going to solve their problems because they end up bringing more issues into the whole thing. The times when the people get it right, the times that the people get it right, over and over again, throughout the book, it says, the people, something's going bad, and the people cry out to God. And what does God do over and over again? He raises up one of the judges. A judge is somebody who is a leader and also arbitrates some of the issues that are between the people. But they, he's, they cry out to God, and God raises up a leader. And that's the part that gets hammered home over and over again. The people cry out to God, and God raises up somebody. God hears them in the midst of their mess. And sometimes, you know, I'll in churches, sometimes uh, kind of crying out to God when things are trouble are in trouble can kind of get a bad rap. You're like, well, you pray to God only when things are bad. And the problem isn't the crying out to God part. It's just that we only do it when things are bad. <laughs> We should have more of that kind of crying out. But you know what? That should not stop you. If things are not okay, do not start by saying, well, I didn't pray before. I probably shouldn't now. What we should do is cry out to God because God was willing to respond even though they were in a mess. In fact, specifically because they're in a mess, the times they get it right is when they're in a pickle. 
they cry out to God. They cry out to God. Uh, uh, I've seen a few times at the gym, there's uh, somebody who's like lifting weights and they uh, do maybe a little bit too much and uh, can't really get it up anymore and they get kind of stuck, right? And maybe you've even seen YouTube videos of some rather humorous moments that this has happened to people. Uh, and somebody needs to come along and help them out. Usually they go, ah, somebody sees it and comes and helps them or maybe they have to go, help me. And, you know, somebody comes and helps them a little bit. Uh, and sometimes in church, uh, we can approach the issue that we have like it's a big weight. Uh, as if... Um, Maybe the solution to us not having that problem would be for us to uh, maybe work out a little bit more, that we would be stronger so that wouldn't happen to us, that we would never get in a situation where there's a weight that's too heavy for us to lift, that when we're kind of, somehow we absorb that, that the problem is, is that, boy, you know, it's just because we, we didn't pray enough all along, that's why we have an issue. Maybe if I just read my Bible a little bit, if I had been working out spiritually, I wouldn't have had this problem. But that's not what we need to learn from this. And that's not, that should never be the message. If I give that message ever, you need to stop it. The message for us as believers is that we need to cry out to God. Yes, we can grow in our spiritual fitness, but the answer is always, do we rely on our Savior, the one that we should be crying out to? Because the weight that these people need to lift is way too big. The problems in our world are too big for you to fix. The problems even in your own life are too big for us to fix. I need to cry out to God. And God is the one who is willing to answer us. And what God has done in the large sweep of Scripture is that the people have cried out for a true judge. A judge who would not only lead the people well and arbitrate problems correctly, but to be able to speak for God and to do it in a way that they don't, he doesn't make the mess worse, but actually delivers people from the problems around them. And what we see throughout the large sweep of Scripture is that is what God did, that Christ is the true judge, not just the judge in like the judgment day kind of way, that's true as well, but a true in this sense of the, the judges, these leaders who are raised up, that the one that we should be crying out for is Christ himself who will lead the people correctly, who helps us to deal with the problems inside, the mess inside, and the mess in the world. That Christ is the ultimate deliverer. And I think it's really helpful for me, even as I think about Jesus, that if I think, if ever I think that I'm somebody who God wouldn't want to help out because my life has been too much of a mess, I can remember that God helped out the people in the book of Judges. And, and I can think, you know what? God helps people in worse problems than me. He's willing to hear me. So what are we supposed to do? I think what we need to do is we can recognize that there are issues in the world, but we can also acknowledge that there's things in ourselves and we need to cry out to God, our hero. To cry out, God is the hero of this story. That Christ who gave his life for us was the true judge who would love us all the way to the cross and give his life for us. That we can be people then who are freed up to do what's good, not because we're now trying to fix our lives ourselves, but because we know that we've got a true deliverer who is caring for our life, that we can serve and love in simple ways, kind of like the book of Ruth. 
that we can be people who, who love the people close to us, like how Ruth loved her mother-in-law, Naomi. I'm sure that things weren't always nice between them. It's a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law, okay? The mother of her husband. That it's not always easy. But there's presence of people. There's faithfulness in that. There's, uh, we see that Boaz used what power he had. You know, he wasn't a leader of the country. He just was a boss at work. And he used what power he had to protect the powerless or the marginalized. He, he did not take advantage of his situation, but loved and cared for somebody he didn't know well and was generous. He was purposely generous. There, that we can be people who act in, in those kind of ways. And maybe you're called not to fix all the world's problems, but to cry out to God and in the faithfulness of your day-to-day life to live like God's in charge and that you can love somebody faithful, faithfully who's near you. That's, I guess loving God and loving your neighbor sounds like something Jesus might have said. Uh, I, I, let's, I, I, I'm not asking for you to totally love the book of Judges. Uh, there is some rough stuff in there. If you want to still talk about uh, some of the things that are in there, I'm curious. But when we look at the global thing of what God is doing, God is calling for us to continue the cry to ask for God to be our deliverer. Let's do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you deliver us. That we cried out to you and and. Thank you, Lord. We know that there are indications of a mess around us. I want us to take a moment. Maybe you can think of something that's a little bit messy, either in our world or in your own personal world. And I want you to invite God, cry out to God to be the one to come and help in this area. Lord, we invite you into our own personal mess. We need you. We need you in the moments when things are going well. We need you when things are not going well. And we want to always be people who cry out to you. And what I see in the book of Judges is that one of the most holy places that we can have is when we're weeping. So Lord, we want to learn to lament, to see how things are, and to cry out that you would come and fix it. And to live in that tension, because I know not always things are going to get fixed right away. But we count on you, the God who gives us hope. Who, we know the direction of history that you are going to make all things well. In the, in the time now that we live in that gap before things are made right, God, we live in trust with you. You are our Redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And we will continue next week in our series of Immerse. We're going to be going into 1 Samuel. Plenty more mess 